Welcome to the Hoopercast. A uh, quick note before the show, our guest this week is John Hayden, once again with me and Dustin, and we are talking about Toy Story 4 this week, and we don't really disclaim when we go into spoilers, so um, once we get into the adults review of the movie, um, we kind of get into plot spoilers pretty quickly, so maybe after you hear us give our star ratings, if you haven't seen the film or you don't want to be spoiled maybe tune out once you hear what what our ratings are. If you have seen the film, you can obviously stick around to hear our um, our positives and negatives that we had to say about it. So enjoy the episode. Here we go. everybody <laughs> we, are, we are gathered here today to talk about toy story 4 uh later on in in the old show uh, hi johnny hello hello dustin hey everybody's here the whole gang Woo. Woo. um cool okay well now i don't know what to do actually <laughs> now that <laughs> now we're not doing the regular anyway okay well um yeah, actually, guys, can I bring something up to y'all real quick? I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on this. This is sort of film yep. news, but not really film news. Um, sure. But I thought this might be interesting to to bring up real quick before we hit the box office. Um, you know how – there's an article today on uh, Collider. Oh, God. Why do I have to get Collider? Anyway, it's on Collider. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it's pretty much somebody interviewed – Quentin Tarantino again. Um, mm. and he just sort of reiterated his whole, I don't know if anybody listening is aware, but you guys are that Tarantino's whole plan is to direct 10 films and then he's done directing mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so this upcoming once upon a time in Hollywood would be number nine. And, um, so this person was like, Hey, you still stopping after like 10 or, you know, you like rethink all that. And he's like, Oh no, I'm, I'm still gonna, I'm still going to stop. Um, I didn't know the extent. That was of- a good Tarantino. <laughs> oh, oh yeah i'm, I'm gonna stop fucking i'm gonna fucking stop it's gonna be great um sorry i don't it's not a very good impression <laughs> it's does anybody, fine does anybody have a better keep, one to offer up nope no Just keep on rolling okay cool all right anyway um yeah so um I, I i see i thought he was just gonna like quit totally apparently his plan is to like maybe write books or plays or something but he's not gonna you know direct movies. Mm. And so when I first saw the article earlier today, I was kind of like, yeah, this is, I mean, this is probably good because, um, you know, I don't feel like he is before I read his reasons. I'd never read his reasons why he wanted to stop after 10. I just thought it was some weird rule. He's going to stick to and be like faux legendary. And I was like, okay, whatever. You're going to stop at 10. Fine. Um, and then, so when I saw the headline, I was like, yeah, it's a good idea if he stopped because, I, I don't personally feel at least that he's grown as a filmmaker. I, I like his movies a lot, um, mm. but I haven't seen really an evolution of his style or his worldview really mm-hmm. um, in them. So I thought, okay, well, that's a good reason n- not to keep doing films, I guess. Uh, and I read his reasons and he pretty much said, yeah, I know that. Um, that's why I'm not going to make more than 10. Um, <laughs> I He pretty much says, I've about given all I can give to this medium. Um and I just want to go do other stuff pretty much. So I mm. do you, uh, someone. And then of course they brought up at the end, 
His last project may very well be this mysterious Star Trek movie that he might be developing, but that would be kind of lame if his final movie was just some franchise movie that isn't like a wholly, you know, original premise, I guess. I don't know. Do y'all have opinions on, on Quentin Tarantino retiring? Uh, I'm not a huge Quentin Tarantino person, um, so it doesn't really affect me too much. Um, but I feel like I, I I feel like good on him. Like you know, I always give props to like you know Jerry Seinfeld for ending that show when it was on top, or like we were just talking about off mic, Robert Kirkman ending The Walking Dead on his own terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'm always for creators saying. Look, this I, I'm I've pretty much said everything that I need to say, and I, I no longer have that burning desire to complete whatever it was that I felt needed saying. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm 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 for it. You know, if that's what makes him happy, then that's what makes him happy. Although I will say, I think I I was under the impression that that Star Trek thing was dead. It's I don't know what what stage it's in. It's it's. I think it right now it's just rumored, but there's mm. the rumor has gotten more like detailed. So it's sort of mm. like, is this a rumor or is this like a sure? Is mm. this maybe whispers of the truth? I mean, I, I, currently, at least according to this, it was like the rumor, the the tale right now is that JJ's talking to him about directing it, and there's some story that Tarantino already had like in mind that he wanted to do or something. So they're talking about it, but I I don't not only do I not have any more interest in the franchise as it currently stands, the Star Trek franchise, but Mm. I don't have an interest in seeing Tarantino direct it. I just think that's really Mm. weird. That's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I'm not interested in seeing that. Especially for me, it's, it's so weird that that's why I'm interested in it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it could be, I I don't know. It It could be good. It would definitely be the most like the series probably. Than Maybe. than any of these other blockbusters, to be honest. Sure, because those aren't the movies that he makes, and I doubt that, especially if it's his last film, if he'd be like, just make a studio movie by studio standards, he would be like, no, I want to do one where they, you know, I wanted, I want to do the, I want to do a, a movie about violating the Prime Directive and these these whatever ancient civilization that we're not allowed to interfere with. Like that's the kind of movie I'd want to see him make, but that would be such a, you know. Odd. odd film for the studio to be okay with pushing out like well, okay at the end is there a battle no he just he falls in love but he has to let her die what mm-hmm. i don't want to see that no one we're not, no one's gonna see that so right. I, I don't know i i don't know i just i wondered i, I personally i, I kind of like him having a tight 10 movies that by all accounts i think are you know all pretty above average films um in in certain ways um uh, you know, except for maybe a couple, I don't know. But overall, like I like Tarantino's films. I I'm always interested in checking out the next one. But he he's of the opinion that directors, after a while, kind of lose their edge. They kind of fall off their game a little bit, and he just doesn't. It's sort of the equivalent of like I'm just gonna like jump off a cliff when I'm 50 because I don't want to get old and like you know start losing my mind or not mm. be able to walk or something. Sort mm. of. Um, so creative, obviously, I'd, that's kind of weird in life, but creatively, I I get that. But I I don't know. It's it, I guess it's good that he's going to keep writing because I would I'd be interested. Sure. in He talked about I want to write novels. It's like oh wow, I wonder what kind of weird novels he's going to write. Right. Um, maybe he'll be one of Danielle Steele's ghostwriters. 
Oh, maybe. Watch for a new series about feet. (laughs) So, um, okay, weird. All right. Well, anyway, I I just, I don't know. That that, that news came out today, and it's not really news. It's just more like that thing you thought I was doing. I'm still doing it. Haven't changed my mind. Right. So, um, anyway, okay, cool. All right. Well, y'all want to talk about the box office? Sure. All right. Well, so last weekend, as Dustin and I, well, as everybody, as all of us know, um, Toy Story 4 came to number one in big style with 120 million. Um, Not even close second with being Child's Play. So this weekend, it fell off, as they do, really not that much of a percentage. I mean, Dustin, it's only a 50% change drop, you know? Yeah. It's about, about 60 million over this past weekend. And... That seems like a lot, but not in the box office. I mean, a lot. Yeah, I no. mean, this that's that's pretty good because we're used to seeing sixty percent, you know, right, seventy five percent drop. Yeah, it's um, still holding on pretty well, and it's it's number one solidly, and it's even had two more films have their debut weekend, and they didn't even come close. Number two, a distant second is Annabelle Comes Home, mm-hmm. with about twenty million, and then number three is Yesterday with seventeen million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um. So that pushes Aladdin down to number four. Secret Life of Pets <laughs> stays at number five, where mm-hmm. it, uh, what did it debut at? I think number one, two? Ah, shit, I don't know. Pets debuted at number one. Um, And here's the curious thing, and we can touch on this briefly. We've already sort of discussed this, but one, okay, so Avengers Endgame is up, you know, quite a few places from number 13 back up to number seven. Um, having made six million dollars over this weekend, uh, which is a, a pr- an increase of two hundred and seven percent, right? Um, and, and coming back into more theaters for their re-release of, I wouldn't even say an extended version of the movie. Just here's the movie again, and then here's some other stuff um, mm-hmm. around. There's some it. bonus stuff. One of those things is a roughly five minute tribute to Stan Lee, um, which mm-hmm. is. Which is pretty nice, you know. It's just Stan. It's Stanley's voiceovering and showing some stuff, but it, it, it's a nice little little tribute to Stanley. And then there's yeah. a extra scene that they didn't uh, didn't put at the end of the movie, where they where Hill and Nick Fury encounter Mysterio for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, shots of which you can see in the Far From Home trailer. So it's you know, you know, it's clearly part of that and then um the 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 elephant in the room is this sequence where they had an alternate introduction for the for professor hulk whereas in the movie you've got the diner scene where that's where you find out that bruce and the hulk you know kind of merged they did mm-hmm. the fusion dance and, uh, and yeah, now they're uh. one person and um, and that's where you sort of learn that but there was originally another scene where hulk saves a bunch of people from a fire and then he like answers the phone and that's how you realize and talk science and that's how you realize oh whoa wait a second what's what's going on um and that'd be fine except i did not realize this until uh, you know obviously till the weekend um and i think i find it a much bigger deal than everyone else or or, or i'll say i'm with the internet on this i thought that was messed up because the effects are nowhere near finished. They are still in previs stage, basically, where 
Um, there's, there's zero detail in the CG. Um, you know, there's no light matching texture passes, anything like that. Um, there's no motion on the mouth. So when, when Banner talks, (laughs) the thing just stays, it's like an action figure. Um, and the movement's Mm -hmm. all blocky and it's very, very off putting. And the, uh, the pirated footage I watched of it, the guy holding the camera was like, he literally did this. He was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And he just starts laughing. And, uh, and, uh, and so I'm watching it like, oh man, that sounds bad. Um, so I, we don't have to talk about this as much. We talked about it a lot off the mic, but I just got to point out, I think it was, I already thought, you guys know my thoughts about re-releasing stuff into theaters with extra stuff. It's like at least the other top box office films did the same thing. So we sort of knew Disney was probably going to do something like that. And I, and I wasn't surprised when they announced Hey, one more weekend and some new stuff just to push us over the top. Like, okay, okay, whatever. It's, it's a money grab, but they're giving us new stuff. But so since that's what my argument hinged on is they're giving us new stuff and the new stuff was pretty much that, I'm sort of like, oh, that's gross. Because I don't think that that's, that's one of those things that I don't, that's a peek behind the curtain. I don't think that the general audience asked for. That kind of stuff usually is in special features where people are seeking this out. They're interested, mm-hmm. but you just sort of sprang that on an audience and it's just weird. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. they're traumatized or anything really serious happened, but to me it's like, Oh, that's, that's, that's almost kind of cheap. That's like a bait and switch to me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and I, 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 like I said, I know kind of how you guys feel about this, but do y'all want to say anything in response to that? Um, I- I feel I feel like the the re-release happened too soon. I feel like it, it would have benefited from happening, you know, even a month from now or two months from now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I think mean, it's too it, soon. It, it was still playing. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It wasn't like it. Had, it was still prevalent in theaters. Uh, exactly here yeah. too, and and so I'm like, it's not really much of a re-release. It's more of like we we just sent a new version of the film to theaters and encourage you to go see it. Um, it, I wouldn't really call that a re-release considering it's still, still released. Yeah. Um, right. so, so that, that's my, my biggest gripe about it. I mean, if they put new things in there, you know, okay, whatever. I understand you're just trying to put butts in seats and say, look, there's a little bit of new material for you to sink your teeth into. It's a marketing ploy. And I get that. Um, I do wish they had put some money in it and finished it, uh, finished the, the Hulk stuff or, you know, just given us something that didn't, didn't require that much work, you know, even if it was just, you know, something that had like a green screen in the background or, you know, even if it was like a featurette, like a 10 minute behind the scenes thing, you know, just something, something else. Um, I think would have helped. But at the end of the day, if you wait until the film's no longer in theaters and then re-release the exact same film, then you don't even have to have that. So there's something to your point about releasing it um, later on, even a month later is once people have seen Spider-Man and they're craving more, you know, they they don't have, there's nothing else coming out. I mean, uh, we don't even, what's this, what's the newest release date after Spider-Man far from home? Is there something in November coming out or are we waiting until um, nothing uh, that that they've said until isn't there, isn't it like May? I think it's May. I don't know. I think next, I think May 2020 is the next time something. Okay. My point is there's a lot more of a fan craving for 
the Marvel properties in the fall or around the holidays. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we know there's no new releases till, you know, May. Here's something to tide you over. We're going to put Endgame back in theaters. And maybe they didn't do that because it will mess, you know, it's already available, you know, for, for Blu-ray and Disney Plus and they don't want to mess with that. So I I get that. But it, right now there's not as much of an appetite for Avengers because like y'all said, I mean, it's in, what what week is this for, for them? This is week, week 10. 10. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's been in theaters for two months. Like that's. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's, it, it, I don't know. John, what do you do you have anything? I saw it as, as less of a re-release and more just like, hey, we added some extra stuff this weekend if you want to go see it again. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really bother me because I, it was always framed weird as a re-release when it's still playing. So I don't know. Do you think uh, it, the, doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't bother me, but, but I get why some people would be bothered by it. If, if it seems almost like they should have just said, look, it's, you know, it's not a re-release. We got some extra features we thought you might think are cool while you yeah. wait for it to come out on Blu-ray. And, you know, best case scenario for us, it put, this pushes the box office over the top and that's great. But, right. you know, but mostly we just want to show you some cool stuff. You're saying if they had sure. probably more, if they had just advertised it as a more relaxed, like, hey, check it out. Got some cool stuff. Yeah. Then it's it, like th- uh, in a special engagement for the weekend. We have some extra stuff. Yeah. That, that's kind of more how I saw it. And I think. Interesting. It was, it was a weird, weird usage of re-release. Yeah. But, um, you know, huh. whatever. That's a good point. Mm. All right. Well, anyway. because I think a lot of the people that it's not like I feel like a lot of people this weekend weren't going to see it for the first time. It was like fans mm-hmm. that were coming out oh, to yeah. see it. Yeah. So I think I think they can understand that it was it was previous stuff and this was a scene that was shot but not finished and and so. I don't know. I, it doesn't bother me, but again, I could see why some people were, you know, upset about it. Mm-hmm. I, I am sort of speaking for the audience in a way that I'm not qualified to. Just when I say that, I just don't think that the general audience wants to see the sausage get made unless they want to see the sausage get made. Fair. You know? But at yeah. the same time, it's it's not a horribly traumatic thing that they're showing. <laughs> It's not like sure. right, right, right. A halt, cut somebody's head off or something. <laughs> there is a weird detail I, I read about though that that the police chief or the fire chief yeah. or yeah. Uh, I forget who I, I haven't seen the scene, but but he's played by it's Carl uh, Winslow. Yes, yes, the same actor from Die Hard from, and, and, and Family, Family Matters. Matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's playing a cop. Yes, like one line. And I'm like, very bizarre choice. That's so strange. Yeah, uh, maybe it was a Die Hard callback because he played a police officer in Die Hard, obviously. But um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, odd that his scene was shot uh, as a cameo and then cut. I can't um, remember. For some reason, I feel like there was a there was something in Age of Ultron with him also that got cut. I can't. Oh no. some, someone's gonna have to do some research on that. But I, I swear, because it, it's I, I associate it with like that statue in front of you know the the Avengers Tower of of all the you know the statue of all the the first responders, you know, yeah. on on the Battle of New York. And I think it had something to do with that. I don't know if it was um, Captain America was sitting down at that cafe or something that's at the base of the tower and he was looking up at it. And I think somebody said, I I feel like it's that guy talking to him. I don't know why. Anyway, I'll have to do some research Hmm. on that. Um, Yeah, okay. Um, Okay, out this weekend, of course, we got Spider-Man Far From Home. It's going to take number one away from Toy Story, I'm Mm -hmm. betting. Yep. Um, the only other thing coming out this weekend that is of vague interest to me is this movie Midsummer. 
mm-hmm. which I saw the trailer for. I guess that was what the hell was I seeing? Uh, maybe John. No, I don't know. Was it Avenger? I don't know. Well, I don't know. It was, it was probably John Wick because yeah. I didn't see the trailer for it, this in theaters. Yeah, I didn't either. It, it had to be okay. Yeah, it's it's a weird looking movie. Um, so I mean, I'm not going to see it in, in theaters, but it it looks kind of nuts. So uh, that just it caught my eye, and it's uh it it's a real good looking you know movie from what the marketing shows. So it's it's about like yeah. these these young kids who go off and then they unwittingly sort of join this cult in like Europe or something, and then horrible things slowly start mm. to happen. So uh, those are always fun. Um, yeah. It's an A24 horror movie, so it's probably pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Um, I don't have any film news to report. Um, we're going to clear the docket today. Um, so here's what we're going to do. I, the three of us are going to disappear till after the break. I'm going to play. I'm going to insert this in here. Uh, this is me talking to my daughter about Toy Story 4 because – that's who I saw the movie with uh, over this weekend. And I wanted to frame the movie real quick from the point of view of a child who <laughs> does not think about story structure or, structure or, <laughs> or, um, or character motivation or story structure, story, story structure, <laughs> story um, structure, uh, or anything like that. Um, just to, <laughs> to give essentially two different, um, um, starting points for how we're reviewing this film. So here for you right now is my daughter explaining how a child feels about Toy Story 4. And we'll see everybody after the break. And then the adults will talk about it. Hey, kiddo. Hi. How are you? Good. You're how good? are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I mean, we had a great day, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, what did we do today? We watched Toy Story 4, and today I loved it. You loved it? Mm-hmm. Hey, you cut right to the chase, huh? Okay. What did you love the most about Toy Story 4? Um, I love seeing Woody and Forky. Forky, huh? So did you like Forky? Did you think he was funny? He looked funny. He looked funny? So funny. <laughs> Forky said funny things? <laughs> yeah. He did? The first three Toy Story movies... Um, feature all the characters like Woody and Buzz and the Potato Heads and everything. But there's not as much of those characters in this movie. There's a lot of new characters, isn't there? Yes. Did you miss the old characters? Did you want to see more of them or were you okay with the new ones? Um, I was okay with the new ones. You did? Were they interesting to you? Did you like seeing all the new characters? Yeah. Yeah. Who was your favorite new character in this movie? Who's who's your favorite character that, that we saw in this movie? You liked Forky the best? Yeah, because he was the only toy um, he'd been made. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you're talking the mic. I know I am. What did you think about Bo Peep? Because Bo Peep isn't really in the other movies that much. What did you think of Bo Peep in this movie? You mean little Bo Peep? Yeah, little Bo Peep. lost her sheep? Yeah. Yeah, did you like her in this movie? Yeah. You did? She looked different. She did look kind of different. Did you think it was, do you think she was cool or did you not care that much? She, I think she was cool. She was cool, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. What about the, what about the bad guy? What about um, Gabby Gabby? What do you think of her? I liked her. You actually liked her? Mm-hmm. You enjoyed seeing this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think other kids would like this movie? Yeah. Okay, now that you've seen all four Toy Story movies, right? You've seen yeah. Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and 4. What is your favorite Toy Story movie of each of um, them? Which one do you like the best? 
most of them. All right. So you liked Toy Story 4 then. Mm-hmm. And you like it you like as much as the other ones? Yes. Yes. I am so proud of myself. <laughs> and tell everyone how old you are. Five. Five years old. Okay. I think it was amazing. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to break. <laughs> We'll be back with um, the adults' thoughts on Toy Story 4. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) You're a goofball. me if I've ever been on the phone with him or while I've been pooping and I was like I have not specifically yeah I've never I've never talked on the phone while pooping I've never done that have you done that Hooper silence (laughs) (laughs) no take that as a no ma'am no 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 ma'am no we're not no, we're not. I plead the fifth. What? No. <laughs> no. What? <laughs> Try to poop while you talk to me. No, ma'am. No. No. Oh, me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on from that. Hi, everybody. We're back from the break now. <laughs> Hastily getting back from the break. Um to avoid this conversation. <laughs> um, all right. Hey, guys, let's talk. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about Toy Story 4, which has so far still at number one at the box office, nearly $238 million domestic gross. Toy Story 4, the movie that I and others never wanted to be. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, story. she's already making friends. No, no. She literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, Hi. Hello. Hi. Ah. He's a spook. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. Buzz, we've got to get Forky. Affirmative. We all saw Toy Story 3. It came out in 2010, which definitely doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but that's no, it doesn't. Near, you know, nine years ago yeah. was when Toy Story 3 hit theaters, and we were all nervous, like, oh, man, like, this is, it's important. It's, you know, this is, this is it. Yep. They've got to really stick the landing here, and by all accounts, it did, and it's this franchise, this is one of my favorite trilogies, um... Yeah, among my favorite tr- trilogies, definitely top five, but um, probably even fighting for the number one spot, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. These films mean a lot to us uh, just because, uh, I don't know about you guys, but th- it's probably close to this. Um, the story for me is Toy Story 1 might have been the first film I saw in theaters, period. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, 95, so there's a chance maybe it was like The Lion King for some of us or... Mm-hmm. Um, or something similar, but but I mean, 90- I think I saw the Jungle Book in a re-release. Oh, okay, I think that was my first. Whoa, mine was Pulp Fiction. And I loved it. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. Um, no, I think I think mine was Snow White on a re-release. re-release. Okay. Yeah, no. yeah, it was probably like three or four. One yeah. of one of my first that I, that I can remember was was The Empire Strikes Back in 97 on a re-release. <laughs> um, it's weird. I think it's because it, you would think like, oh, these re-releases, like they're money grabs. But I mean, for the three of us, it's like, no, those sort of introduce us to a genre of films that we otherwise might not have gotten into our, you know, our psyches as early as we did, mm-hmm. you know, finding Star Wars or Snow White or, or, yeah. or, uh, or the Jungle Book, you know, but um and that was back when a lot of those films you couldn't see otherwise. Right, you know, right. Before exactly. they came to VHS. So. Right. Um, I, I remember when we got like a VHS of The Lion King or something. And then like later on, I read like VHS used to cost like $100 or something. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Jesus Christ, mom, you guys, y'all, sp- y'all spent that much money on a movie? <laughs> right. I wouldn't pay $100 for a movie in my house. Screw that. Um, <laughs> right. And that was $100 back in the day. But, right, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, Toy Story came out in 1995. So, you know, we're about five or six years old, and it was revolutionary. You know, Pixar's first film, this this computer, fully computer animated movie. Um, and I was a dumb child, and I thought that they were real people that got shrunk down to do this movie. Um, I I thought Woody <laughs> was a real person. I thought that that's how, you know. <laughs> Tell children, at least I did. I'm sure if I asked my daughter, hey, are those real people? She'd say, no, of course not. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> um, but when I was when I was that age, I, I thought they were real. That's how real the characters and the animation were to me. Um, how did you think Rex was accomplished? It's, it's not important, John. It's not important. Um, <laughs> Slinky question dog for, someone's question for later. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole lot of things. That, there's a whole lot of dots I didn't connect as a child. Um but uh, so then, Toy Story two came along, and and what was it ninety nine? I think. I think so. so that's yeah, pretty. That's a pretty. It was either ninety nine or two thousand. I think it was ninety nine, and I think yeah. and and that's a pretty standard cycle for an anime for a Pixar sequel now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's relatively immediate. Although Toy Story two, I think, was going to be originally direct to video, so it was kind yep. of a surprise. And then the success of Toy Story two in theaters is what prompted Pixar to start making more sequels. Um, because they're like, oh, there's a market for them. And so they started doing it, mixed results, you know. Uh, and here we are, and then we get arrived at Toy Story 3, perfect cap off to the trilogy. It's great. Everyone's happy. We're fine. And then there are whispers. There's going to be a Toy Story 4. What if they made a Toy Story 4? And from the early on of those whispers, I think all three of us <laughs> each said, please don't. Mm-hmm. Please don't do this. We don't need it. We're not asking for it, and obviously there's a big commercial opportunity to make money off of it. Please don't do that to this property. I don't want Toy Story to get Cars 2 And Right, right. Um, and it was a long process. I mean, I, I mean, Lee Unkrich in, in, in 2010 about Toy Story 3 was like, I'm flattered that they want to make more movies because they love the characters, but there's no plans. Everyone said there's no plans. There's just rumors. Lasseter was like, no, no, no. And then someone... Someone wrote the treatment and then, oh, I had to, we, we kept having, John Laster kept insisting like, oh no, like the story is so good. We have to make it. And we're definitely not trying to print money or anything like that. So it just went through a ton of development phases. And then at one point, Rashida Jones and what's her, what's his name? Um, God, who's the other, Will McCormick. Um, mm-hmm. So they joined on and they were, there was details started coming out and it became more real. Oh, it's going to be. 
a love story with Woody and Bo Peep and then that idea evolved and then Rashida Jones and Will McCormick left the project because they didn't like the direction it was going and then they got a new writer Stephanie Folsom who co- who like changed three quarters of the story um, and then it became this this premise of you know the toys are still with Bonnie like they were in the previous movie um, but Bonnie the plot of this film is Bonnie makes a new toy out of uh, art supplies out of a spork calls him Forky and she loves him helps her get through her first day of school great um, Forky uh, runs away and Woody um, goes to retrieve Forky and in the process of it comes across um, Bo Peep after seven years apart um, and Bo Peep has a whole new you know, has a, has this whole thing going on where she doesn't have an owner. She loves not having an owner and sort of introduces to Woody the idea that he doesn't have to make a child happy. He can live his own life and have his own experiences and be content with that. And that's the premise of the movie. It's not really a love story at all. I don't feel like, and I'm sure that that's a lot of what kind of got written out, um, of these earlier drafts. Um, a love story with toys is creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very creepy. Um, so <laughs> um, I kind of want to go around the room here real quick, and I just want us each to give our star rating. And I then I want us to talk about what we liked about the film um, before we start getting into issues, because uh, spoiler alert, I think we all have issues with this film that we do not have yeah. with the previous films. So right. I want to figure out where we're all at before we start talking about it necessarily. I'll go first. And it's I, out of five stars? Out of five stars. Yeah. Um, I give this film two stars. Um, okay. I don't know what y'all's, obviously don't know what your is yet. I get the impression when I told y'all initially that I I might have the lowest rating this, of this movie, maybe. Um, but my reasons essentially... I, um, my reasons for that, and now if, as, if you know our star rating system or how Dustin and I determine, you know, um, those numbers, a two star out of five for us means the film didn't piss me off. Um, it's not a three star film. It's, I wouldn't say it's fine. It's not fine. It's not to me, you know, just, oh, it's fine. It's, it's harmless. I have problems with it that I think knock it down below the mid range there. Um, but we'll get into those issues a little bit more in a minute, but that's, that's what, that's what, that's what a two out of five means for us. If you've never listened to our show before. So um, anyway, Dustin, what about you? What's your star rating? So mine was incredibly difficult to figure out. Um, I I think I'm going to have to go between a two and a three, Um, maybe leaning towards three because there's a lot to like here, Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot to really hate here. So if two is it didn't piss me (laughs) off and one is, yeah, it pissed me off, then really this is a one because I end up pretty angry when I talk about this movie. Um, It it does make me angry. Um, So so (laughs) I, I am simultaneously a one, two and three star depending on the day, the mood, and how long I've been talking about it. Um, so um, so I'm somewhere in there, but rest assured, it's on the low end of the spectrum. And, and regardless of um, where, uh, regardless of, of the star, if you ask me 
okay, what do you think of the filmmaking? What do you think of the cinematography? What do you think of the the score? What do you think of it? They, they all have different star ratings to me. So to give it one cohesive star rating is super difficult. Um, but I, I think I'm just going to have to be somewhere between two and three. And I'll interject real quick and just point out that like, you know, there's, we're going to have shades of what audiences we think might enjoy this film, what audiences won't. And, and we all have very particular taste. And, you know, I agree with you. There are aspects in the movie that work way better than others. For example, I'll, I'll point out that like, I thought the music was great, but yeah. since what, since the components of storytelling that since the components of movie making that I care most about are story and structure, yep. you know, since that is was a lacking thing for me here, that's what pulls my rating down so far. So while you may say that, you're between one, two, and three because there's things to like. It, I mean, you, like you said, it makes you angry when you when you end up talking about it. So, you know, I know you don't want to alienate anyone from seeing the movie because there are things to like, but Dustin Weldon gives it a one star. Yeah. You know, you're you, man. D- depending on the, the day and the time and how long I've been talking about it, it's a one star. Yeah. Um, it, it, it fluctuates, but it, it does make me angry. Johnny, what about you? Uh, I'll give it three. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Oh, am I supposed to say what? No, I'm... no, no. That's fine. No, no, no. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> I think we just didn't want to cut you off. If sure. We we're going to. Is this thing on? <laughs> um. All How right. Y'all doing tonight? I think. <laughs> I think. Um. I, I think we can talk about just the things that we do think work. Um. Sure. Maybe kind of in broad strokes. Uh. Because it's they're going to end up intersecting with the things that don't work. So I would say that my favorite elements of the film, um, I I actually here's what here's I, I won't say too much about this because it's gonna it's gonna get into parts I don't like. Here's what I do like about the story structure and the premise. Um, I appreciate that just fundamentally for character change that. This plot was introduced to challenge Woody's worldview. Um, we can talk the mixed results of executing that and sticking that landing, but I do like just narratively the hero's worldview being challenged. You know, mm-hmm. are you sure that you need to be around a kid? Are you sure, you know, what about you? What about this life for yourself? Here's what your life could be. That is an interesting conundrum to thrust upon Woody. So that Mm -hmm. is something I do like about it. Um, I obviously will say that one of the best things about the movie is the quality of the animation. It's unreal. Um, The opening scene, uh, which is a flashback of of a particular night where the toys are saving RC, the the remote control car, from being washed down a drain during a lot during a, a you know a storm. That animation's incredible. The water, the droplets, the color, um, everything was so good. I think that was my favorite sequence in the entire movie. I know, which says says a lot about the following film, but I was like, oh man, if the rest of the movie's going to be like this, this will be great. And then, you know, that was the highlight of of the mm-hmm. filmmaking in general is that scene. I, I think, I think this is the most cinematic toy story film. Um, just yeah. the, the way that it looks and the way that it moves and the way that, um, you know, everything kind of has atmosphere yep. mm-hmm. um, in, in a way that maybe the previous films didn't have as much of, I mean, obviously toy story three is gorgeous too, yeah. but, um, but I do think this is maybe the most cinematic toy story yet. 
And that made it really watchable too. Yeah. Easy, you know, definitely easy on the eyes. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I can't, I didn't write it. I didn't write down much else that I, <clears throat> that I thought was particularly um, noteworthy. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll, that's kind of where my, my positives end with the movie. Um, I, I yeah. wrote, um, you know, the music was great. You mentioned that. Yes. Um, I, I also wrote that the voice cast, you know, was great. Um, both the new and the old characters, um, I thought were, were done exceptionally well. Um, you know, to the point where, you know, I mean, obviously you have some really big stars here, Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, they're, you know, always stars, but somehow watching these films, I, I never think of Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Um, and so it's just great that in even these new characters, Christina Hendricks, Keanu Reeves, uh, even Key and Peele to an extent, you, you don't really think of those people. Um, they disappear behind the toy that they're voicing. And, and I, I really admire them for that because there are other studios that that definitely don't allow their their actors, their A-list talent to disappear the way that Pixar does. Well, and, and Pixar's always made very interesting choices with who they cast. It's it, like like there are a lot of times where they cast someone who's famous, who's a celebrity, but is a, a bit more obscure. Sure. It's not like they're casting a lot of big names necessarily. It's a lot of names yeah. that fit really well with the character that they're casting for. Totally. Like Ed Asner and up is a good yeah. instance of that. Uh, yeah. You know, anyone really could have played that character, but they cast Ed Asner for a reason. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've always been really good with that. But yeah, I would agree. And, and, and I also wrote that the film was, was fun. You know, it's fun to watch. There's um, just a certain likability and, and uh, I don't know, familiarity with these characters that when they're doing anything on screen, it's just fun. Um, thinking back from toy story three to now they've made a handful of short films and and even like animated specials those are always really great and it's just because it's just fun to watch these characters move and breathe and be characters so whether they're even dealing with anything super deep like there's one short that's called like partysaurus rex and it's literally just rex like having fun in a bathtub with a bunch of bathtub toys it, it, it there's no depth to it, but it's so charming, and yeah. and so this has th- that same thing going for it. It is a lot of fun just to watch Woody and Buzz and Jesse do Woody and Buzz and Jesse things. Yeah, uh, John, uh, what were your yeah. particularly um, positive elements of the movie? Um, I agree with Dustin that this was a pretty enjoyable movie for the most part. If you could kind of go in and turn off your brain. Yeah, uh, it was funny. Um, uh, I thought I thought we, we were speaking of the new cast. I, I thought a lot of the new characters were great. Um, that's kind of one of my biggest gripes with the movie. On the flip side of that, though, is that the new characters had so much prominence in the movie that it robbed mm-hmm. a lot of the older characters of screen time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did like a lot of the new characters, and um, I thought since Bo Peep was absent in the third movie, bringing her back, she was great. Uh, a much better character than the previous incarnations of Bo Peep, I yeah. thought. Yep. And um, it was a gorgeous movie. Um, and and I liked the, the, 
the setting of the antique shop and the carnival. Those are kind of the two big set pieces of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're so contrasting with one another, but they're both just in, in, extremely memorable. Mm-hmm. And they look great on the screen. And uh, I agree with the cinematic quality of it. Like, I love in the the flashback sequence of the movie, there's uh, Woody walks into Molly's room, and there's the pattern that's being projected onto the floor from the Bo Peep lamp. Mm-hmm. And later on, that's what he sees, and that indicates that Bo Peep is there. But it's like this great callback to that moment that we just saw. But for Woody, it's been like a decade since he's seen that. And it was a great moment for him to kind of realize that and i feel like Mm -hmm. that's kind of like a depth that maybe the the previous movies didn't have so yeah um i like that um the music like you guys said was great and yeah i mean i overall you know fun movie if if not up to the snuff of the previous three films yeah right yeah on par with a lot of the other animated stuff out there fun but very flawed Yes. And, yes, and, yeah. and herein is, I think, where we will start the uh, the the gripes. Um, yeah, my um, I'm going to say one thing, and then I'm going to lend it over to you, Dustin, to drive this thing. Sure. Because um, I think Dustin probably is. The Please most... be careful driving. Please <laughs> I, I drive, will. drive safely, Dustin. Wear your Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this though. Yeah, like like I said, I like I like the the idea of challenging. Woody's worldview of, you know, Woody, um, Woody's whole thing is, you know, and, and I saw someone with it of some video essayist on YouTube point this out, you know, uh, there's a line in Toy Story 2 where Woody's like, I'm, I'm going to stay with the, uh, the toys and we're going to go to Japan. I'm going to be in a museum. And mm-hmm. Buzz says, um, I was going to bring this line up. Go Buzz, ahead. Buzz says, um, you know, um, some, someone once told me that life is only worth living if you're being loved by a kid. And I traveled all this way to rescue that toy because I believed him. Um, and the idea being that like Woody was turning his back on his responsibilities to his kid, to Andy, um, because he was afraid of Andy aging out of him. And it was a brilliant moment because he ultimately decides, yeah, what am I doing? Even though we, he knows it's coming, which is a great setup for toy story three, for that reality to happen to him. And um, so we'll go into a little bit of more of that in a minute um, about Bye, why Woody. Uh, why this film, <laughs> him deciding to ultimately, you know, to, to go with Bo Peep and to not go back to Bonnie, um, why that might come off as a, an extreme change in this character's philosophy. Um I still think it's an interesting idea, um, but uh, I'll get into that exact point in a minute. But I'll just say overall, the structure of this story kind of bothered me. I didn't really like that um, that the villain, th- there's no real antagonist of this movie. There's a little bit of one in Gabby Gabby, but she gets like this character arc, this little story arc that takes her out of the running for the stakes of the film. Um, and maybe that's because the the narrative stakes are all internal, but that doesn't make the film very exciting to watch from a plot standpoint uh, for me, especially compared to the others who that had a villain and then had a set piece. There was a problem um, for them to overcome. Uh, and maybe there's a little bit of that here, but it just really didn't feel as much like it at all. Um, so I, I think it, it tried to carry a heavy theme like the others did um, with this concept of no ownership and introducing that. But um, overall, it just lacks a lot of heart. 
um, compared to the other films to carry out that message. And like I said, you know, the whole concept of Woody having a challenged worldview um, and ultimately deciding to change his worldview to embrace a different, you know, life philosophy, you might say, oh, well, Woody grew as a character. Like Woody decided like, you're right. Like it's time for me to hang it up and, and I'm going to travel and I'm, I'm done. I'm retired basically. Um, and that could have worked. And for a while I didn't have a problem with that at all. I was like, that's fine. It's fine with me. You know, Woody's got a happy ending, but the reason it doesn't feel earned to me is that someone, and someone points this out to him or he points it out to Forky. He said, actually, I, I used to be a favorite toy. It's like, so now you're telling me that now that you're not the favorite toy, now it's okay to not be with your kid just because you're not the favorite anymore. Like if the mm-hmm. other toys, if all Bonnie's toys, if Bonnie was like, Hey, even though I'm like seven, I don't like toys anymore. I'm throwing them on the trash. You know, they would all go, yeah, you know what? I guess we'll go to the carnival too. Like it sort of takes away the, the, the choice to go to the carnival as like, I've got nothing else going on. I might as well just be a lost toy. So it's easier to give up on your kid when you aren't the favorite. And so I kind of have a logical problem with that um, because Bo even points out, that's what I love about Woody is he stays with his kid. He's loyal to his kid, even to a fault. Like Woody's not the favorite toy, but he's going to go rescue her current favorite toy, Forky, because he sees that as that's his job. And that's something noble about him. And if you're going to take that away from him, you need to earn it. And they just didn't really earn the concept that he needs to retire. And maybe people would have seen that as, oh, my God, now Bonnie's sad because he's gone. So I don't know. That's a catch-22. I can see how that can work for people. I can see how it doesn't work. I'm kind of in the middle where I like it, but I don't necessarily think it sticks to landing. Like when he says goodbye to everybody, I didn't feel anything. Mm. I was like, yeah, he's kind of been out the door this whole movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was an issue for me was that this movie kept telegraphing what was going to happen consistently. Yeah. And that's something that Pixar doesn't really do. Right. Or at least that you're conscious of it the entire time. It, like with Toy Story 3, there was no way to know how that movie was going to end. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The movie. And with this, I felt like from the get go, you you knew that Woody was going to leave, leave. at the end of the movie. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. By the time that that scene finally rolled around, it was like, okay, yeah. I know I said I'd keep it short, so I'm sorry for rambling about that. But that's that's pretty much my, my chief um, narrative issue with the film is it doesn't really stick the landing with what they do with the main character and what they do with the cons. I mean, I, I like that there's a whole island of, island of lost toys and they all just sort of collectively try to make kids happy in general, but not loyal to one specific kid. Mm-hmm. Um. But it definitely feels different. That's really the only thing I can really say about it. Is it feels different from the others, which have like a, a consistent worldview about what toys are supposed to do. Um, and so maybe just because it feels different, I'm not used to it and I don't like it. Uh, I'm not as into it as the as the whole loyal, loyal to your kid, um, you know, until retirement or destruction. Um, sure. But I, I just I think there's a lot of ways to poke holes in both sides of that argument. So all I can say is I wasn't into it, but I'm not going to call it, um, a, you know, a bomb either. Um, Dustin, why don't you yeah. commence um, whatever of your list I have not <laughs> devoured. So I am. It's funny. I, I'm sitting listening to you guys talk and just sort of trying to take all of it in because 
in many ways, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, but I think I'm a little further down the road. So what I mean by that is I, I also think that the chief, uh, problem narratively is what they do with Woody. Um, I think that, that, that giving him the spotlight in this film as basically an epilogue to the, the first three films, um, what they do with him character wise is a mistake through and through. I disagree that it's inherently interesting because um, there was nothing in the original three films or the shorts or the specials to indicate to us that there is another way. There is nothing uh, – now, maybe I need to rewatch them, but there was, to me it seems there was nothing to indicate that there's an, there's an alternative for toys. Um, we know that the villains – don't like to serve kids, but the heroes do. The heroes take that very seriously, and not just Woody. They all do. Um, and and then this makes sense in our real world uh, as well, because we know the purpose that toys are made for: to bring enjoyment to kids. That is the chief end of toys. I mean, obviously to make money, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Toys are made for kids. They're not made to leave behind in a park. They're not made to, I don't know, be alone in the woods. That, that, that doesn't make sense. We buy toys for kids. They bring our kids enjoyment. The kids age out of them. So we put them in the donation bin and send them to the next kid. Yeah. And that's the way that it goes. So real world, real world experience tells me what toys chief directive, what their absolute uh, goal is. To bring kids enjoyment. So so to say, okay, we're going to challenge that in this film, to me is not inherently interesting because it contradicts real-world experience. Mm -hmm. And it also contradicts everything that the film series has set up to this point. You know, I was going to bring up that line from Toy Story 2 as well. Buzz hammers us over the head with this. And then Randy Newman hammers us over the head with this. His song in Toy Story 3, the theme is We Belong Together, yeah. right? This is the core central theme and idea of the Toy Story trilogy is toys bring happiness to kids. That's what they are made for. And Woody himself was so devoted. Now, Granted, he had his moment in Toy Story 2 where he thought, maybe I'll go, uh, you know, be a celebrity in this museum, right? This is this is him being tempted with fame and fortune and, and you know, freedom. Can I interject he, real quick? I want to, I want yes. to, I want to support that point yes. as well. Um, and it's not, that's what's alluring to Woody at the time is I could be famous and be adored by children and not played with, but I'll be mm -hmm. famous. It's, you know, it's my time to do that. But it's also... It's also the fear of having to be abandoned by Andy. Yes. This is him yes. getting out of that situation before he has to get fired, basically, and, totally. and deal with an existential crisis. And he ultimately totally. decide, grows and decides, I'm not. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I'm going to watch that kid grow. I'm going to be. I'm going to be there for that kid until the very end, because that is mm -hmm. my job. And, and this is his calling. Mm -hmm. and, and this is supported by Toy Story 3, in which at the beginning of the film, it is clear that these toys have not been played with in years. Mm -hmm. And yet they stay. 
They stay with their kid. Now, except for the army men, they parachute away, you know, um, whatever. They're cowards. But 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 uh, you could argue that they are on their way to the next kid. Correct. Possibly. Maybe they they saw it coming and they. Yeah. yeah. So they do show up at the daycare at the end. They, right? Oh, yeah. this is true. Yeah. They, go, true. They, they end up at Sunnyside. But they, but they're even their reasoning was, well, all, we're going to get thrown away. You guys might get kept, but we get thrown in the trash. We and so yeah. we're going to go ahead and, you know, for them, it's like, well, we have proof. Mom's got the trash bags out. So we're going to go now because our alternative is death. Sure. Um, so they're right. excused, yeah. in my opinion. Sure. Sure. Yeah. They're they exactly the writing on the wall. Yeah. But but with with the the core cast here, they they stayed and and we have to assume that it had been years since Andy had picked them up and touched them and held them because they were so excited when he did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So especially. Yeah, exactly. He touched me. So the idea is is that no matter what, no matter how long it's been, no matter how much we're wanted or unwanted, we stay loyal, we stay true, we do what we're supposed to do, which is bring enjoyment. And if and, and if they're not ready for that enjoyment right now, one day they will be, or they'll pass us on to the kid who is, whether that's a random kid through a donation or that's Andy's son, right? We will get passed down. Um, and, and so, and so then to, in this film contradict and, and, and throw that into question to me is not inherently interesting because that was not a question until this film. If this film did not exist, I would not question it. The fact that this film does exist is not good enough reason to make me question. You are giving me a story element only ever mentioned in this film as if this is a huge existential question, a huge thing that Woody has always been on the on the track of having to answer, but he wasn't. He never was. Um, and and even in the shorts and even in the specials where we see Woody with Bonnie, he's happy. Yeah. There's no indication. There's no indication that Woody's unhappy. And so then you're saying, oh, well, you know, story-wise, maybe it's just because it's a recent thing that she doesn't want to play with him. But then why make the movie? You're not drawing on previous. If this is an epilogue or if this is a true sequel, you draw on things that came previous to support it. This does not do that. This creates its own rules so that there can be a story. And to me, that's not a good enough reason to exist. Um, Now, um, and and likewise, it's also not inherently interesting because there's just no conceivable way for this film to uh, make me, the audience, believe that Woody would do that. Um, If it was a question of, oh, yeah, maybe I could see Woody doing such and such, then maybe it can be argued that there's a, a reason to tell it. But two, three weeks ago, I never would have thought that. Never. So, so why now? Why would I think about that now? Just because you're telling me to, this is stupid. Hmm. Um, now, um, I will also, uh, say that at the end of this, when Woody has his goodbyes, um, I did feel emotion. Um, I started to get choked up. Now, what was weird and I was very conscious of it this time around was, um, 
I I was conscious of the fact that I was being manipulated into mm. an emotion rather than having a genuine emotion like I did with Toy Story 3. Part of that is due to the fact that like what John said, we're we're telegraphing this this thing throughout the whole film, you can see it coming a mile away. Um but but at the end of the day, um I think it's just because it wasn't it wasn't it didn't ring true character-wise. So yeah, of course I'm going to feel emotion that two best friends are about to leave and not see each other again. Of course that's emotional. But then when I think about it, I'm like, but why is that happening? There's no deep-seated emotional root to that. Um, it also felt oddly rushed. Like the whole movie was mm-hmm. building to that moment, and then once it actually happened, it was over very quickly. A hundred percent. Little dialogue, and not like an interesting way, but it was. It just felt like a weird goodbye montage you know it was, it was a little bizarre and not totally. to mention that woody spends almost zero time with any of those characters for most of the movie so right, when he says goodbye right, to yeah. buzz it's like i'm sad because of the other three movies telling me your friends but you guys don't spend a lot of time together in this movie so nothing's yeah, been built right. up recently to for me to be invested in your friendship and this is also a nitpick and then i'll let you get back to your point dustin but so there's like a big emotional moment where they're the camper that Bondi's family is in is driving away from the carnival and Woody and Buzz are kind of like watching each other leave their lives. Right. And yeah. I, I forget who, who starts it, but one of them says to infinity and then it cuts to the other one and they say, and beyond. Yeah. But, but Buzz first then Woody. Okay. It, but <laughs> it just felt very odd. It's like they can't hear each other. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Like I'm thinking about it like, like, Oh, that's a great little moment in the movie, but it's like, what? Like I picture like both people looking over at Woody and he just goes and beyond. And she's like, what? What? Are you all right? Like what is happening? Right. You know? <laughs> and like did Buzz finish the whole saying? Right, right. Or did he just say two and finish? <laughs> and then the other things are like, what? <laughs> did no one else think that? I thought that when I was saying the movie. I, I, I did not think that, but so you are you are so true. Yeah. Like it would have made sense if they were next to each other or shaking yeah. hands before they left, but they were like in toy yeah. toy language, like miles away from one another. Right, exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. But anyway, huh? you're absolutely right. Um, oh man, you you are so right. Why did I not think that? <laughs> that makes that ruins the whole. Thing. Was, I think it, was, it almost screamed of like we have to have this in the script. It's going to be so great, and, yeah. and it looked maybe look great on paper. Sure, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Just... Was the implication maybe that they both said the full phrase, but we're just hearing? But that doesn't make that's sense either. As well, yeah. There's got to be a way to show that. Oh, that's so weird. That's going to bother me now. <laughs> Dustin gives us a zero star. You're welcome. Now. Yeah, zero yeah. stars. <laughs> Negative five <laughs> and uh, beyond. <laughs> as soon as we as soon as we hang up on this Skype call, I'm just going to say and beyond and hope yeah. one of you guys said to infinity. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> I, I I wish I wish it had been different and and Buzz said to infinity and what it just cuts to Woody and he says snake in my boot and, <laughs> and it's just like oh we were not on the same page at all <laughs> to infinity poison the water hole <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's classic get this wagon train a moving. <laughs> 
Oh, I, I, I have a, I have a, a similar subtle uh, nitpick. I don't like when Woody suddenly has a new phrase in his pull string. It's like, why haven't we heard that before? Right, right. <laughs> or all of, or all the like fifty-seven phrases we hear from Buzz. Buzz yeah, it's like, wait a second, uh, you have like, you have three buttons, dude, in, including the fifteen in a row that all say leave. <laughs> yes. Fall <laughs> uh, so, back, so, Ranger. So I have like three major gripes for this movie, and, and shockingly, one isn't Woody, although that that does bother me. But but yeah. so for me. One issue was the characterization of Buzz that almost bothered me more than Woody because mm-hmm. I felt like he was basically reduced to comic relief. And he was there essentially because they had to have one other original toy from the past three movies there. But he served no purpose. And he had, they gave him, it, it was like they had nothing for him to do. So they were like, well, let's give him a gimmick. And they gave him the inner voice, you know. I, I joke they and, wrote him like Drax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, exactly. Yeah. They said they hypnotized Buzz and said, "You are going to believe in one literal concept, and yes. you're going to fall." Now, to be fair, I'm just going to point out this is a a very small concession. Buzz was probably smartest in Toy Story two. Um, they did dumb him down a little bit in three, but I right. say a little sure. bit. Yeah, I'm not saying that Buzz is like a genius. No, 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 no. I know, I know, I know. But he he he's not he's not that stupid. But in three, they they wrote him down a little bit. But that's mostly just making room for other things to happen in the plot. But he's you know he's a little bit dim witted, but still very much like has his signature resolve. And in this one, he's just the inner voice is uh, real. I feel like. Even when he was in the movie, he did nothing. You could remove him entirely. Yeah. You could have him stay on the RV, and it would make zero difference. Yeah, he doesn't do much. I, I can't even remember anything he did. I remember him interacting with uh, Ducky and Bunny, but other than that, I don't remember him doing anything of significance. He was window dressing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That that was yeah. on my list as well. Uh, yeah, and another another issue I had was. The fact that there are so many instances in this movie of comedy that's derived from the toys doing something in frame while there's a human being nearby. Yes. And it was uh, just done to death. And and there was so much caution taken, particularly in the second movie. Like I, I went back to that scene where they're crossing the road and they have to mm-hmm. um, go under the traffic cone so no one notices them. Like, yeah. In this movie, they would just run across the street. Uh, you right. know, uh, yeah, and it, it, that, there was so much humor derived from that, and um, there, there was, and they really crossed the line at the end, where Buttercup and Trixie are basically controlling the RV. Yes, and and uh, Trixie is the voice of the GPS, and uh, that whole sequence was just so re- far removed from the rules that they had kind of set up up to that point and well and how hard is it for bonnie's dad to just look down reach at the under and, and yeah it. yeah he'd be like what yeah. is oh the unicorn toy is down here you know right I, yeah there was so many and even that whole sequence bothered me because trixie is directing bonnie's dad where to drive the rv and she's getting directions from buzz who's on the roof and yeah. buzz has what looks like uh, uh, i don't know how to describe it like a little toy communicator Mm-hmm. And it, the, the whole thing was just like, I don't know. It, it, it was lazy. It did, like, they, they, it, yeah, it, yeah, it was. First floppy. of all, if, if if I mean, if Buzz has some sort of walkie talkie device, you'd be able to hear him on hers unless she's yes. got some sort of earpiece, and, which and makes no we've sense. Never, we've never seen this before. And like, think of how many instances uh, something like that would have been useful. 
even oh, earlier yeah. in this movie, let yeah. alone the other no movies. I, you know, right? They would get. They would. <laughs> hey, but when Forky falls off the 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 RV and what he's like, I'm gonna go get him. It's like okay, yeah. we're gonna be five miles down the Here, road. Take I can make that. Take yeah, this. take this walkie-talkie so we can talk to you. Oh, thanks. Right. That's, that's really helpful. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, hold on. This uh, this is the script. The script says not to do that. See ya. But, yeah. but remember, all of that has to be justified within the toy themselves. So if Buzz has a communicator, that means that Bonnie has a communicator. So and if it's a working communicator, then that means that Bonnie has a working communicator with no second end. Or does she have the second end? In which right. case, why has she never played with it? Or Andy? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> not to mention Bonnie's dad should have known the difference in the voices. Like, oh, that's not the GPS. Who's the super annoying voice all of a sudden talking to me? Right. Why are they telling me to drive into a crowd full of people? Like they're, you know, stuff like that. It's like, I don't yeah. know. Well, and, and, and like this kind of bleeds into to another big grab I had was, was that every character that's not Woody or Buzz is reduced to, um, I have one line in the movie or mm-hmm. I have one little thing, minor thing to do. And these are like characters that are like staples of the franchise, like iconic. And, and yeah, uh, Mr. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head, Jesse, Bullseye. All, all these characters are, are background characters. I'd argue that the only reason the Potato Head still exists as an actual toy is because of these films. And, possibly. And possibly. Uh, now, of course, Don Rickles passed away. But right, what's right. I mean, what's Jess, what's Joan Cusack's excuse? What's their excuse for Jesse? Yeah. <laughs> right. Or Slinky Dog. Uh, yeah. Or any of these, yeah. Yeah. But but and, and it reeked of me of like that that season of um, Arrested Development that they did. Mm-hmm. The the most the Netflix one where, where they they couldn't get people's schedule right. So no one interacts with one another. <laughs> yeah. And yep. it reeked of like, oh, we could we could only get all the other casts for like a day. So they're, they're at the beginning and the end of the movie. Yeah. And, and, you know, but that's kind of what it felt like. And it was just odd to see those characters that we love not be included in the movie, essentially. Boom. And it's even worse. There's the scene where Jesse, um, who's like one of the most important characters. All she does in the movie is pop the tire of the RV so that they can't leave. Yeah. That's literally the only thing she does. Yes, and it, I don't that. And like I said, I like the new characters, but not at the expense of com, almost completely removing the old cast of characters. Speaking of new characters and properties, oh, 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 one more thing, one more thing. And also, too, Ham did not go on the trip, so he never said goodbye to Woody. Oh shit! Yeah, that's ridiculous. Whoa, because yeah. he's the bank. And she didn't take him. <laughs> That's uh, no excuse. And John Ratzenberger is alive and well. There's no ex- um. there's no excuse for him not to be there. Right. All right. right. Well, speaking speaking of new characters and properties that involve Tony Hale, can we talk about Forky? Yes. yes. But, but while, while we're talking about the old cast, though, let me just put this into perspective. Mm-hmm. If we're not talking about Woody or Buzz or Bo Peep, the original cast of Andy's Toys. Um, the top build is Joan Cusack, who gets 14th billing. Go. People who are billed higher than her. Bonnie's dad. Giggle McDimples. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Yeah, well, both those characters had more lines of dialogue. Right. All right. Even Bonnie's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Forky is voiced by Tony Hale. Um, so from the moment I saw Forky in the promotional material, I was not into the idea of this character at all. Thank um, you. I, 
<laughs> I Cooper was like, I was livid. I, I mean, I, I was, you know, I, I, I saw him. I was like, oh, great. Now we've got this weird, like, loud, screamy toy. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be um, in terms of, like, his actual characterization. Um, but he's so I, one note. I, I, I like the idea that <laughs> I like the idea that you that, that that a toy that was made can have sentience. That's pretty interesting to me. Um, and that you must also, you know, teach that toy about its own purpose. Um, again, if purpose still matters. Um, but of course, the what if you put googly eyes on a dead body? The flip, the flip side. <laughs> stop it. The flip side of of that is that Forky doesn't. Forky is is a MacGuffin. Um, he's not really a fully fleshed out character. Um, he's kind of he's a gimmick. Uh, not too much of a gimmick, like physically, um, but mostly he's just a plot device and a MacGuffin. He tells yeah. the villain all about Woody so she can manipulate him uh, into doing something that ultimately has no significance. Um, well, I guess it kind of gets her to some point in her character, but, you know, not, not really. Um, but some people were talking about, like, oh, Forky's like this allegory for autism. Like, that's what the movie's going to be about. And it's like, one, no, he's not. Um, he's He's much more... I don't know what he's an allegory for, but it's it's not autism. It's it's just he's just um he's he's a Frankenstein, you know, monster that's really neurotic because he shouldn't be alive and um and is very freaked out about what he's supposed to be doing and um and but in one scene is talked off the ledge by Woody, um Thankfully, so he's not just trying to jump in the because he keeps trying to jump in the trash can. I'm like, is that all this movie's going to be? Um, so thankfully, I will say I did enjoy the sequences of him jumping in the trash. Can. I thought they were so dumb. Uh, it ran a little first, long. The first time he did yeah, it, it, went long. I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, okay, let's stop him and then let's never do that again. But he kept doing Guys, it. Guys, it went so long that Randy Newman <laughs> wrote a freaking song about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm trash. <laughs> but he he didn't even know he was writing it for the movie. But like, he, but, he, <laughs> but his character is talked down from all Randy. that. His character is talked down from that, like immediately, which was fine. But that was like all that happened with his character, and and that's it. He's he's a plot device. I I didn't like. I wasn't as bothered. So I saw Key and Peele in the promo, and I was like, oh great, here they here we go. And then there was reviews like they're actually fine and they don't bother people. So I was like, oh, fine. I was still bothered. I Mm -hmm. was just like, okay, get on with it. It was just a whole lot of like them being kind of goofy and just making scenes run too long. And I was just, I wasn't into it. I really wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And the last new cast member I'll probably bring up um, is uh, Duke Kaboom, uh, Keanu Reeves. Dustin, I think you pointed out that like the, the you know Pixar is really good at getting the get, p- choosing actors and then letting the actors become the characters. All I saw when I saw Duke Kaboom was Keanu Reeves, and <laughs> one of Keanu Reeves That's is weird. weird. I, my, one, I, I had the exact opposite reaction. Me too. Yeah. I had trouble one, picturing him. Yeah. No, one of one of his one of Keanu Reeves' signature faults as an actor is the inability to speak with any range in his voice, and so you cast him in a voice role. <laughs> Where he can't modulate his voice beyond just kind of a low, 
kind of, hey, I'm I'm Keanu Reeves. I'm happy. I'm sad. It's about the same. And that's what it felt like to me. It sounds he sounds just the same. And you take away all his other strengths of, as an actor, like like his physicality um, or his or his general charisma. Um, and, and I mean, Duke Kaboom, it, it was he ultimately leveled off for me, like whatever. I don't really care that much. It's it's fine. But like there were people who were like, he's like the best part of the movie. And I'm like, Fuck, come on, please. Yeah. I've, I've heard that too, that he's like a, a show stealer. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't, I, I honestly can't remember what he looks like without Googling him. I, I, he, he's <laughs> he's I mean, in a jumpsuit. He's literally I thought the character was, was funny, but, but I had heard all that stuff too about him being, you know, the, running away with the movie and all this. And I, I don't know. It, he was fine. I, mm- I thought the Key and Peele stuffed animals were much funnier. Um, Keanu honestly, Reeves, but. no pun intended. Uh, just kidding. Uh, literal stunt casting. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that's about as uh, that's about as that's the funniest joke in Toy Story Four. There you go. Oh. Um, so so let me let me let, let's try this on uh, just as an exercise. Um, we we're talking about Forky. Forky, to me, one note, has no real discernible reason to even exist. He raises too many questions like, if Bonnie plays with a banana, does the banana become sentient or does it need googly eyes? I don't know. Uh, Like, now is Woody, or I guess Buzz, is Buzz going to have to, you are a toy to every banana and apple that she just throws around? This is stupid to me. Regardless, the point is um, he Forky serves no real purpose to the story other than, like you mentioned, um, being the inciting incident and feeding the villain uh, or the antagonist information. Right. But why could that not have been done? Like, just imagine an alternate Toy Story 4 where uh, that role goes instead to Jesse yeah. who has, you know, been crowned by Bonnie, her new favorite. Yes. She, you know, she's the sheriff. I love Jesse. And now all of a sudden what happens is Jesse goes missing or falls out of the or falls out of the RV rather than jumps. Mm-hmm. And 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 Woody says, yo, I got to go get her. Right. So he jumps out. Now, the, the case could be made like, why didn't everybody else go? But you can write around that. I don't know. Bonnie turned around and only Woody made it out before, you know, Bonnie saw the other toys trying to jump. Whatever the point is, you can you they can didn't write explain around. it in the movie anyway. So well, this is true too. Um, <laughs> you you can write around that, right? So Woody goes to save Jesse. Woody and Jesse have a heart to heart walking down the road. You know, whatever they do their thing. Um, then he gets distracted by Bo Peep. All that stuff. Gabby takes Jesse hostage. So now there's a a a an element of like oh my gosh like of course we have to get jesse back mm-hmm. right like i never quite bought into the whole thing that woody was so distraught over forky like i get it but i don't i don't have an emotional attachment to forky so i don't feel it i get mm-hmm. it but i don't feel it right now if it was jesse that's the other thing but then what if gabby what if we didn't know from, basically from her first scene we know that she wants woody's voice box but what if instead we didn't know what she wanted yeah and what if instead she manipulates jesse to give her the information while she's holding Jesse hostage mm-hmm. and Woody has to save Jesse. And so now Jesse has more to do in the story. Alternatively, I can also see that role going to Slinky. 
Yeah. I can see Slinky Dog being naive enough to be like, oh, yeah, Woody's a good good friend of mine. He and like giving her all the information. Right. And then you're including the original characters and you don't have to create Forky. So I don't understand why that couldn't have been the case. I think Slinky, That's an excellent idea. I think Slinky <laughs> would have been a much better choice only because if it had been Jesse, there would have been a, there would have been a discussion like we can't have one of the female characters be a damsel in distress for Woody to go save. And I think and Jesse has a voice box. And Jesse has a voice box. I was going to say, she, true. yeah, she has a pull string. Uh, but you're okay, right. So maybe, maybe Gabby wants hers then. Well, but, and, but, and you're, so, but you're right. No, your Slinky idea is spot on because we care about Slinky enough to understand why Woody would risk his life to go out there and rescue him. Especially if Slinky, for some reason, is Bonnie's new favorite toy. It's like, yeah, like, and Slinky's also like my best friend. So, of course, I'm going to go save him. And Slinky is also, I'm, I'll, I'll just say the word dumb. Slinky is susceptible enough to be manipulated into explaining to Gabby everything because Jesse, you know, knows Woody, but not as much as Slinky does. Right. So you don't have to have this whole talking on the road thing where you have Woody tell the life story to Forky. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. So that was my thought, like literally as soon as I came out of this was why did it have to be Forky? Like to You're what right. the audience has no emotional attachment to him and a short time to even try and pull that off. And it's much easier. It makes more sense for it to be a toy we already are invested in. Correct. And has a deeper connection to Woody beyond, you know, a single walk down the road. Right. So that oh. that's that's one of my pitches. I have another writing exercise for us before we we leave today. Okay. But I do want to talk about a couple <laughs> other things that I thought um, uh, were weird. Uh, the first is I, I thought the tone was off. Like this to me very much screamed of like different writers yeah. um, because to me the tone was more cynical and depressing. Like like it doesn't seem fun to be a toy in Toy Story Four. It seems incredibly no. scary and dangerous. Yeah. But in the other ones, it felt like, oh, that would be, you know, that's a fun life, right? To be a toy, yeah. to be played with and then go on adventures. And yeah, there's some scary stuff. There's a furnace in Toy Story 3, but it never felt like the specter of death was hanging around every corner, right? And in, and in Toy Story 4, it just feels like death is chasing them. Um, to me, it's not so much death. It's just, it's just it felt off. I, I From the first scene in Bonnie's room where... Woody's kind of being marginalized as this like, okay, you're not the favorite anymore. And, um, and he's depressed that he's not the leader. It seemed kind of weird and out of character for him to not be even a little bit like a cooperative, you know, Mm. co-captain of the, of the squad and, and for Dolly to not really be, um, you know, even, even understanding of that at all, really. Um, and, and, you know, and just, just the concept of like, Oh, Woody's not like the star, like, I know maybe it was supposed to feel uncomfortable, but from the get-go, it made me uncomfortable, and it made Woody act in ways that were out of character or just that I wasn't interested in seeing, like him being depressed about that. It's you Right. Know, because, again, if he's depressed about it, then why would he go get Forky? You know, right. If he's going to get Forky, why is he depressed about his current state of affairs? Mm-hmm. It's inconsistent. Yeah, exactly. But, like, it, the Forky thing was weird to me that he, he placed so much importance on it, but then... At, Later on in the movie, he said he did that out of desperation because that gave him a purpose yeah. related to Bonnie. That yeah. made sense to me. Yes. But but I, I get what you're saying. 
Well, well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand it. It was like a guy who has nothing to do at work and he's grasping at straws for like the one thing that they've given him to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of depressing to see a character reduced to that. Right. Um, so and and here here's another thing I want to talk about. So we had mentioned this very briefly earlier um, was the fact that the antagonist Gabby Gabby does not actually end up being the villain, yeah. right? She gets this sympathetic turn. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I actually kind of liked that idea because because otherwise she's just Lotso again. Sure, um, I did too. So so I like the idea that she changes at the end. Here's what I don't like. It fizz, it, the, the third act completely fizzles because of that. Um, because, because typically in a structure, um, you have your antagonist and then and then there's a climax where that antagonist is in direct opposition to your protagonist and they finally butt heads, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is, you know, Kirk and Khan, right? It's, it's their final confrontation. They represent two things totally diametrically opposed. And, and this is going th- like, this is the climax between both of their stories. The problem is with this, um, we don't get that right. Like Gabby, Gabby turns, um, in the third act into a sympathetic, you know, character and we never get a final confrontation. So the climax is, is more about a race against the clock than it is about the antagonist who's been trying to get them the whole film, right? Because she's already got what she wants. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's weird that the climax has nothing to do with the antagonist story structure wise. I never would have done it that way because that doesn't make sense. Here's what I would have done instead. I would have had Gabby Gabby turn, but then her dummies become the villains. Yeah. Right. So, so now the dummies who who, they've spent so long serving Gabby that now they rise up because she's not in charge anymore and they see her as weak or whatever the case may be. So now there's a literal antagonist again that, that is, formulated through the antagonist story. Um, and so, so that's how I would have written it, right? You still get your turn, but the climax isn't just, Oh, it's high stakes because, Oh, the RV is leaving. It's, it's high stakes because our characters are being chased by a villain. Um, and, and they have to do it in, in a time on a timetable. Right. Um, so, so that's, that's, my idea on that. Now, I also feel like if Gabby turns into the sympathetic character, then you have to make me feel the 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 character that she goes to. So, and I don't know how you do this without her just going to join Bonnie, but but to have her join just some random kid to me didn't quite feel as emotionally powerful as it could have. But here's the biggest problem with this for me. It's not anything that I just said. The biggest problem is that her story supports the theme of the first three films and not the theme of this film. That's correct. Here's how you support the theme for this film. For this film, she gets the voice box. She gets discarded by the kid in the antique store and then goes on a journey of self-realization and says, here, look, this whole time I've been wondering about this kid. And all of a sudden I realize like, that's not what I want. I, I need to I need to do me for a little bit, 
right? Like I need to, I need to focus on me self-realization, right? Cause that's what, that's what this theme is. Yeah. The theme is that Woody is not going to serve his kid anymore. He's going to chase what makes him happy. So Gabby has to do the same. And the fact that her storyline ends with her, with a child supports the theme from the first three films, which this film's themes contradict. Yeah. That's an excellent point. <laughs> it makes no sense. Thematically, it makes no sense. I think that if, if you follow, you know, the, all those ideas kind of together where you have, you have her sort of spending this time wanting to, wanting to be found by a kid. And you do have this chance of where you, you know, you have you had the voice box or you had the kid she wants to be with, you know, um, not not, you know, not accepting her. You know, you've got that scene where Woody, you know, narratively has to comfort her with the worldview that he is uh, learning to adopt of, hey, you don't have to be with a kid um, to be happy. Um, but it really makes more sense for Bo Peep to, to stick out that olive branch and try and explain that to her. And for Woody to then go, yeah, but or, or for Woody maybe to just sit there and think, you know, think about it more like, oh, shit, like this is sort of the 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 dialogue that's going on in my head right now, too. And for Gabby to then say, but no, it is what I want. Like, I understand what you're saying, but that's what I want. I have I can make I can make a kid happy, um, but maybe I don't need um, maybe I don't need to make that kid happy. Maybe it can be another kid. And then we proceed with her being found by the lost kid and her purpose fulfilled. Um, so that through that you can still reinforce the idea of, um, maybe some toys, you can still introduce the idea of maybe, you know, you don't have to be with a kid to be happy, but maybe most toys or a significant portion of toys still prefer that. And not cynically like, Hey, we just prefer to be sheep, but like, but, but, but idealistically, like, no, like sometimes having a purpose is the most fulfilling thing. And, and toys like, uh, Bo Peep don't feel that way anymore, but toys like Gabby Gabby, who has just now experienced rejection based on her worldview of wanting to be a, a, someone's toy. Even then she still decides no, I still want this. I'm not going to give up just because that kid didn't want me. There is a kid who does, and then she finds it, and then she's fulfilled, and that's it. And then you can – so that's a, that's a thing for Woody of maybe I shouldn't give up. Maybe I can still make a kid happy. Just because I'm not Bonnie's favorite toy, that doesn't mean I can't make her happy or some other – or the next kid happy, the next kid happy. And then – Whatever you do with the Bensons in the in the third act, you know, whether they start talking and it's like, oh, our real plan the whole time was this thing or this thing, which you know, you can figure that out. Woody at the end of the movie chooses to part with Bo and not with his friends. He chooses instead, like, I get it, and this is tempting, and you've done great for yourself, and I'm really happy for you. But I want to make children happy. That's my yeah. purpose, and I'm, I I can't live with myself if I'm not doing that because this isn't about me. It's about Bonnie or Andy or whatever kid, and mm -hmm. it's that way instead. So yeah. it's sort of like your ideas, Dustin, but it can reinforce the 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 plot. And and maybe some people would see that as reductive. Like, well, then why do we even do this? And first of all, well, first of all, I agree with you. Why do we do this movie at all? But if sure. we're gonna do it, you know, let's have his worldview challenged. And have him understand it and sympathize with it and understand why others might choose it. Because at the beginning of the movie, he's like, why would you want to leave? Why would you want to leave the kid's room? Well, now right. he understands. There's tremendous freedom in that. There's opportunities, but only if you want them. 
And well, the, the idea that a, the toy or on a ma- the toys on a mass scale would aspire for, you know, finding themselves and traveling and seeing the world. It's a little bit lofty for the premise of a toy's prime directive is to make children happy. A human's right. prime directive is not the same thing. Our lives are about life experience and connection with each mm-hmm. other and, and experiences. But toys aren't humans and we can relate to them, but we don't have to share our directives with them. So if their directive is for happiness for children, Woody would still ultimately choose that. Does that make sense? It, it yeah. does. It does. And I think I think that um, this film, like I said, has felt more like an epilogue than anything, um, than a sequel. And so what you do in an epilogue is you reestablish the theme. You don't you can challenge the theme, but you reestablish and affirm it, mm-hmm. right? So with Woody, it doesn't make sense to challenge his central character and then change it. Instead, you affirm it and say, look, everything that has happened so far, we essentially affirm that so that this epilogue now brings it to a close in a satisfying way by saying, look, Woody is right the whole time. Because if there's a shred of doubt that, oh, maybe Woody should have done this years ago with Andy, maybe he should have done it in 1999, then then the question is, well, for how long was Woody unhappy, right? Because now you have to go back to Andy and say, was Woody ever really happy? Or did would this have served Woody better all along? And so, so instead of challenging and changing in an epilogue, you affirm, right? And so, so this is the same with like you know Harry Potter, right? You have this epilogue where Harry, Hermione, and Ron, and they've got their kids and whatever, whatever, but they don't challenge the 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 theme of the film. They reaffirm the theme of the film in that. Um, in Harry's interaction with his with his child, right? The, then the themes are reaffirmed, and the themes of friendship and and loyalty and blah 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 are all you know sort of like put a you put a stamp on it. It's J.K. Rowling saying like I approve this message yeah. during the epilogue, right? And that's what this should have been. It should have been we approve everything that Toy Story one and three one through three has been about. Um, this film doesn't challenge it, um, but but. Um, I want to I want to do this really quick because you you had sort of mentioned this. So Woody, um, I, I agree with you, Huber. You, you you laid out this this idea of of how you could use Gabby's storyline to um, allow Woody to make a different decision at the end yeah. with with very minimal editing, right? Yeah. To the script. Um, I, I also wrote one, um, and and so I want to share that. So, but the. the I'll tell you where this comes from. So while I agree with John that you kind of can see this twist coming from a mile away, like, oh, he's going to leave. The weird thing is they don't really do anything within Woody's actual arc to make you believe that. It's just we we know the the tropes of filmmaking and know uh, things enough to to kind of pick up on these things. Right. But But within Woody's story – there's really nothing to indicate that Woody's on the fence. All we see is Woody's trademark loyalty to his kid. Mm -hmm. So the ending um, where he stays with Bo rather than going with Bonnie, um, it's, it's, it comes across as selfish. It doesn't come across as like, Oh, I, I've heard people say, you know, 
they try to justify it by saying he's going to help other toys find their kids. Right. But I'm like, but see, that doesn't ring true. Yeah. I think what they, what they do is they say, Oh, look at that scene in the end credits where all the toys from the carnival get, get homed. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, except Key and Peel. And that was their whole goal the entire time right. was to get a kid. And so, but he doesn't, he doesn't achieve that goal. So clearly he's not that worried about it. Well, and, and uh, by the film's own message, if that, if that, if that belonging doesn't matter, then why is it significant that he's helping those toys? Exactly. Yeah. So, so that like, I feel like the key and feel characters had the arc that you were talking about, Dustin, where at the end, maybe they, they you know, the Gabby Gabby learns, uh, you know, maybe I don't need a kid. Mm-hmm. That kind of felt like the key and peel thing, but, but like Hooper, like you just said, like if, if you believe that, you know, the toys shouldn't be going to kids, then why is your life's purpose helping? If the carnival is essentially run kids, yeah, if the to- yeah. if the carnival is run by two toys who firmly believe that they don't need owners, then why do they care if other toys get? Maybe right. because they're selfless or whatever. But it's like, yeah, but you're. It doesn't track. It's a it contradictory message. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I believe when you when you have a character whose core identity is wrapped up in one characteristic, and you're attempting to break that apart, you have to present obstacles to challenge that identity, and you have to do it repeatedly, so that ideally, by the time the third act hits, you've been introduced to the char- to the idea that the character's on the fence at all, right? And when they hit their lowest point, right, we're talking like end of second act into the third act, they've hit their lowest point that's when you realize like, oh, they may just change their entire worldview. But Toy Story 4 didn't have that because Woody's lowest point is when he's forced to give up his voice box to save Forky. But that lowest point supports Woody's desire to please the child, to please right. Bonnie. Right. So he's, he, he does that literally for Bonnie. Yeah. I'm going to give you this part and, of me. And with minimal to consequences. To make Bonnie happy. Those are the links Woody will go to for the kid. So, so – at the end of the day, his lowest point supports the theme from the first three films, not the theme yeah. from this film. And, that's, and that, that's the problem. So so this is how I would have ended it with with as minimal rewriting as possible. And this is throwing out, you know, the, the third act stuff that I've already, you know, speculated on, like, you know, the dummies rising up and and whatever else, throwing all that out. Or, or even throwing out like Slinky Dog instead of Forky, right? So, so throughout this film, we see that Woody notices that Bo is alone, right? Um, and, and in fact, I might even kind of write out or eventually get rid of that uh, Giggle McDimple's character mm-hmm. um, because she doesn't really do anything. Good She's God. kind of the conscience on on Bo's shoulder, but <sighs> not really. Um, so it's it's strange that way. But but so so throughout the film. Woody kind of notices that she's alone and he does, and he believes it isn't good for her to be alone. Um, so he needs to verbalize that and he, maybe he can talk to buzz or whatever, like, Hey, I have to get her to realize, you know, what she had with Molly and, and all this stuff. And we even see him telling giggle McDimples about Molly and, and the, the shot is framed in such a way that we see Bo's face, but Woody doesn't. And, and, and Bo, when he's talking about Molly, she like, you can almost see her, her melt, like this hardened exterior just kind of melts and she smiles and, and relives what it was like to have Molly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so clearly she longs for that again, but she's just kind of unwilling to admit it. That's how, that's how that reads. Um, so now what, what you've already done is three things. One, you introduce Woody's secondary goal, which is to find Bo Peep a kid. Um, you know, 
then you also introduce that Bo has a desire that she isn't allowing herself to chase. Um, so we we see Woody, he has this belief, she needs a kid. Bo melts when you talk about Molly. So clearly she wants that again. She just doesn't want to admit it. And then three, you also have introduced the audience to the idea that Bo's arc will be to have family again. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what you can do. Again, very minimal rewriting. When Woody delivers Forky to all the other toys at the end, and he has to face this decision, do I go with Bo or do I go with Bonnie? Um, You can still have him make the choice, although I would still argue it's counter to the themes of the franchise, but but you can still have him him make the choice to say goodbye to Bonnie and go with Bo. But then Bo switches. And finally, Bo realizes that it isn't good for Woody to leave his family either, so she comes with him, and you end the film with Bonnie being super excited about her new Bo Peep figure or whatever, and you know it's like she and Bo being played with together again, right? And so, so it's it's cheesy, whatever, but but that's as minimal rewriting as I can possibly do to save this ending, because then then what you have is Woody has this primary goal to to take care of Bonnie, a secondary goal to bring family to Bo and, 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 and he decides to selflessly go be with Bo because he's convinced she's not going to come with him and, and, and she needs something. And then when she changes and she has that, that 180 degree character arc that she desperately needs in this film, then all of a sudden uh, he gets everything he wants. He gets Bo, he gets Bonnie, she gets Woody. She gets a kid and and she wasn't even looking for one. And so at the end of the day, like that's the most minimal rewrite that there could possibly be of this film. It's just a quick little shift from Bo at the end and, and everything ends happy. And you still get your manipulative moment where he says goodbye to everybody, only to then pull the rug out from under us again. And that works because if we have anticipated this entire film, oh, yeah, he's going to leave. And then that switch happens, then maybe, maybe we get caught off guard too. And so that's as minimal as I can make it. And you can make it as extensive as adding the dummies in the third act and adding slinky dog instead of forky. And and you can make it an extensive rewrite, which is what this movie needed, but you could also just change one scene and really help a whole lot of this movie. Hmm. I I think I I don't, I don't mind that because it's, it's definitely a, 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 you know, a happy, a happy court, you know, wrapped up ending. The reason I like the ending better of, of her staying where she is and Woody, you know, ultimately deciding to stay with Bonnie is that I, I want, I like the idea of them making reaffirming decisions, not based on convenience, especially not that yours is that, but like if, if my, mm. if my problem with Woody's decision is that he left because he wasn't the favorite, which mm. might, which means that his entire worldview of loyalty to the kid was born out of convenience. Cause he was the favorite. You know, then my whole thing is, I think it's, I think it would say a lot about teaching kids and just reaffirming to audiences that you can respectfully disagree with somebody and everything's fine. Like he can ultimately, I mean, especially these days, it would have, it would have done a lot to, to point out like, here's two characters who at the end of the day, don't change each other's minds about what they're going to do, but they understand each other more, but they don't have to change what they're doing to understand the opposite point of view. I think that Woody... 
I would agree with that to an extent. I think that the film has always made a has always had a particular point of view about what was right and what was wrong. Right. And for them to add nuance now and say, oh, but you can disagree about this point, I think is is still betraying the point of view the first three films had. And and if at the if at the end Bonnie real or I'm sorry Bo realizes that Woody was correct, then you reaffirm what the first three films taught. There's probably a way to split the difference. I I, I, think, I think it would have been seen as a big slap in the face to Bo Peep's independence, probably, and that's that's probably why it wouldn't have you know ended up being a thing. Because I think I think I think if, if that had happened, people would be like. The first two actors so great. She was such a whatever strong independent woman, and she had this whole thing going on, and then she sort of just ran back to Woody. You know, I think it would have been. I think it, the optics wouldn't have been good on that as much. I, I, I but that is also a cynical, you know, per, <laughs> point of perhaps, view. Perhaps, perhaps, but I, I think you could frame it that um, because because she melts more when he talks about Molly than when she sees him you could frame it in such a way that she sees Bonnie and goes with Woody mm-hmm. yeah. rather than, okay, I'm going to go with Woody because I see what he wants and I'm going to help him get what he wants. Um, which I think is very admirable and, and also what these films are about, which is giving of yourself to make someone else happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if Bonnie shows up at the end and like runs out and says, where are my toys? Whatever. And she sees how much Bonnie loves those toys. Then she melts all over again, sees Molly and Bonnie, whatever. And, and, and then it's framed in such a way that she's not leaving for a romantic thing with Woody, but she's re she's leaving because this thing that's missing is giving of yourself to somebody else. Which, which again, is what I think the central theme of these films has always been and why I, I revolt so strongly against Woody's decisions in this film. Because if you if you take that scene with Woody and Forky on the road and Woody's like saying, yeah, you know, you grow up with a kid and then they grow, they grow up and they move out. And and it's very like parental mm-hmm. in a weird way. Yeah. Um, and so so, again, it's like a parent pours into a child oftentimes to their own detriment, right? It's, it's, it's my kids come before myself. Um, and that's the way I've always seen these characters is, is their, their happiness, their joy, their purpose in life is not found within or chasing something that they want, but rather in giving to somebody what they want, right? It's, it's, I, I can provide to you what you need and I will give that to you as a gift. Um, and so, and so anyway, all, all that to say, um, I, 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 I see exactly what you're saying about the optics of, of Bo. I, I just would disagree because I think the themes of, of these films have always been, uh, running to family and to connection rather than isolation just for the sake of independence. Right. And, and, and to be fair to your point, if there's absolutely a way to execute that ending while, as long as you frame it as something that Bo ultimately does still choose, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't argue with choice. You know, if, if you, someone could, could bitch all day about her running back to Woody or running back to Bonnie or whatever, but it's like, yeah, but once you frame it in why she chooses to do that, 
You know, you you can't just say, no, Bo, don't do that because I wouldn't do that. It's like, no, you know, we've, we've right. laid out why this is valuable to her still. And so there's a way right. to, there is a way to do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. John, do you have anything to uh, to add to that? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with what you guys were saying. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's just yeah. one of those. It I, kinda... I hadn't thought about the ending quite that much, but <laughs> yeah, I... but I agree. I agree with with, with, with the point y'all brought up. It's just one of those things where, like, I don't have to, like, I, 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 I've got children, so I'm going to be, I've seen this movie a, a ton more times, but I, I would not watch it again for my own personal pleasure. Yeah. Um, I don't see a reason I to. Um, it only sure. sort of frustrates me uh, in the scale of the entire franchise, and I'd much rather just have the button ending of the third movie. Um, and, and it's sort of, you know, there's the whole argument of like, oh, does, you know, like, can the audience just decide what to ignore? And it's like, well, one, yes, I can, because, you know, it, it doesn't track in terms of theme. And my whole thing is his motivation and character. So I'm going to throw out the thing that doesn't make any sense that was made. It was written and directed largely by people who were not involved with the first trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm definitely it's the Dragon Ball GT of the bunch. And second of <laughs> all, it's also like once like you were saying, Dustin, like once once the once the art is presented to the audience, it becomes the audiences and. I absolutely can reject it. Um, and it's not just out of what I am on, what I want to reject because it's not my thing. It's, I don't think this works on a, on a structural scale as a four part story. So, I mean, that's kind of our take on, on toy story four. It's, it's, I mean, children are obviously going to enjoy it and it's making a lot of money. Um, but you know, just from our points of view, which are well informed and well experienced, it's not, um, there's a lot of problems with it and that doesn't mean it can't be fun or it's not fun oh, to watch fun. or technically sound, but, uh, there's a whole lot of problems with it and, uh, that the other movies don't have it all. Those other movies are all five star films. Yeah. And then the fourth yeah. one's a two star for me. I mean, that's, that's a big yeah. step down. That's a problem. And I don't want any more of these. I want them to just drop it. Just stop it. Well, and that leads me to my last point, which is is not really much of a point. It's just speculation. Um, Toy Story 5. Um, thoughts on whether or not this might continue? Uh, would you want to see it continue for the sake of correcting missteps? Um, if it continues, would you rather it focus on Woody or on Buzz and the old gang? John? Uh I don't think it will continue. I think this will be the last one because it's doing well box office wise, but it was one of those movies that came out this summer that didn't meet the expectations that were thrust upon it box office wise. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I could see this being the last one, um, but you never know. I, and I, you know, whether it focused on Bo Peep and Woody or, or buzz, uh, you know, I don't, I really don't care to see any more at all. Right. With either of them at this point. Like, I, I think a, a big part of the issue with this one was kind of what we touched on earlier that the third one, I kind of cashed in all my emotion on this series at the end mm-hmm. of that. And mm-hmm. so it, I, I felt kind of empty watching this because yeah. <laughs> you'd already gotten so much from me. Yeah. So I, at this point, I feel like, you know, I consider it kind of done after the third one. So, you know, I don't, I don't need to see any more. Mm-hmm. If they want to do more shorts and things like that, I, I'm fine with That's that. That's fine, obviously. Yeah. But um, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I, I never wanted this to exist, and nothing I saw in this movie made me second-guess my willingness to see more of them, so I'm still yeah. not into seeing more films. There's the, the added element of there are no plans for another Toy Story 5 right now because Pixar is trying to sort of adjust course and make a ton of new things. Right, they, yeah. they, which I think is, is for the best. They're being criticized. Toy Story 5 would, would take up an original movie's slot, slot. essentially. You know, yeah. so they're, they're being I, criticized. I yeah, they're they're coming under fire for pumping out too many sequels, and they're like, ah, shit, <laughs> do we, what have we yeah. got? And so it's not going to happen anytime soon, and I just sort of hope that the lukewarmness, although it's got 98 on Rotten Tomatoes, so who knows, but um, I'm hoping that the enthusiasm for this brand just kind of fades. I will say that, just for the sake of the argument, Dustin, if, if a genie came to me and said, hey, they're making Toy Story 5, there's nothing you can do about it, um, but you get to choose what the story's going to be, um, and this is going to be the last one, um, what do you want to happen? I'd say, I want Woody and Bo Peep to be on this journey and I want them to see some cool shit, but I want them to ultimately regret, um, running away from their owners. And I want them to fulfill their original character arcs, like treat Toy Story four as, Oh, you think it's a happy ending, but it's really a, a mistake. And I want them to, you want to, you want to the graduate this thing. I, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man two ending. I, I want them. Yeah. I want them to, I want them to go and I want five to start and be like, this isn't what we thought it was. And there'd be a big problem and something, whatever. And then they ultimately, you know, try to, they reconnect and still that would feel like a weird ending. Cause it's just the two of them and not the whole gang and it's not Bonnie and there's no way for them to contact the other toys and Bonnie. So it wouldn't be the whole gang getting back together. Um, so it'd still be unfulfilling, but narratively, if you ask me, what do I want to happen? I would say, I want those two, two toys to fulfill the worldview of the original trilogy by realizing this was a mistake and using the narrative choices in toy story four to be the building blocks of the stakes for toy story five and then end of the series after that. But I'd also tell the genie, I disagree. I would like you to make the toy story four <laughs> never have happened. Um, because you're a genie. <laughs> I, I I agree. I think I, I I don't really want a Toy Story five, and at this point, like putting more dollars and time into correcting something that's been, I think, kind of broken, um, is just a waste of time. Um, if somebody came to me and said, "Look, we'll offer you a million dollars to write the thing," I would, of course, write it. But I, you know, I also would punch myself in the face every morning for being the person that wrote a, a toy story movie that didn't need to be made. So yeah, I, I just don't, uh, I, I don't have any interest in it. I mean, um, the only thing left to do to manipulate tears is bring Andy back. And I have no interest in that. So no. or kill Woody. Oh no. I actually thought about that. They, 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 <laughs> they, they should have, I mean, another it's darker, but there, that's one way for Woody to fulfill his arc. And you know, in, in a way, if you're going to do another, a fourth movie is he could have literally like given his life to get Forky back, but it wouldn't have, it still wouldn't have tracked because we still don't care about Forky and we would just resent him for causing the death of Woody. So right, exactly. it's, it's still a mess, but I did, that did cross my mind, John, like you could have, yeah. I mean, that's one way to to commit to not um, cashing in on Tom Hanks and Woody every single time and yeah. have Woody have a meaningful ending. But it would have ultimately They almost been, killed him in the incinerator. I know. I would have been fine with that ending. Right. But, I would but, have uh, cried, but I would have been all right. Yes, that would have been very dark. 
and a yeah. risk. But uh, that would, speaking that, of that, that would be a good I, way to to end to actually end Toy Story three was Woody saving everybody and then dying in the incinerator. Sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the incinerator, I have one last thought. Okay. And and this will be quick. Maybe uh, were the aliens in this movie at all? Yes, at the very beginning, they I think it was like Woody came back from the preschool or whatever. Yeah. And and they were like they joined like the whole crowd of people that uh gathered when he revealed Forky. Wow. And I, I think I think they said something when he got here like he's here or something like you can just hear it in the background. Uh, that's yeah. sad. Yeah. They were they were <laughs> completely ignored. Yes, they were. I did, okay. Wow. Mm. um all right guys i think that's gonna do it yeah that was toy story 4 um are we all seeing spider-man this weekend yeah i will be at some point before monday yeah okay so are you are you are you doing this next week with us john maybe maybe i don't know We'll, we'll have to see okay john john don't commit John, don't commit. <laughs> All right. Well, John, if John you, just leaves his horizons open. If you want to, I'm like Bo Peep and Woody. If you want to, and you need to do another night again, just just let me know by the okay. end of the weekend so that Dustin and I can plan it. Um, okay. But uh, it'd be great to it'd be, it'd be great to do it all together again. Sure. Yeah. We'll I'm, I'm definitely seeing. I'm seeing it on Friday. So. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. That's yeah. it. All right. Well. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, John, for coming on. Thank you. Sweet. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.